This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Welcome to Reporters Without Orders. I'm Ayush, your host for today. India this month seems to have transitioned from a democracy to a necrocracy, a republic of the sick, the dead and the powerless. We're looking at more than 40,000 COVID deaths just this month. And these are just official numbers. Real deaths are assessed to be at least two to five times more taking the estimate into lakhs. One model estimates that there are five times more cases than recorded. Another puts it at 30 times more. According to The Economist, the outbreak in India is so severe that it now accounts for some 38% of global cases, up from just 9% a month ago. The WHO considers an epidemic to be under control at below 5%. In America, this number is at 7%, 0.2% in the UK. But in India as a whole, it is 25%, coupled with a crumbling healthcare system and an absent government. My colleagues have been capturing this pandemic as it unfolds on the ground and in the media. Two of them joined me today, Tanishka and Akanksha. Hi, guys. Hi, Ayush. Uh, So as usual, we'll be talking about what made news, what didn't, and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. Um, Akanksha... We've seen, you know, your video reports from around the capital. Um, uh, so just tell us where, well, or where all have you been these last two days? Because I saw you were in North Delhi hospitals, then I saw you in West Delhi crematoriums. Where all have you been, you know, just going about? So I think uh, the journey began from East Delhi, uh, from uh, Gautam Gambhir's uh, constituency. Uh, from where there were a lot of these uh, SOS messages regarding shortage of uh, Fabi flu, uh, which is among one of the prescribed medicines uh, for uh, mild to moderate symptoms of COVID. And uh, uh, so, uh, like, I first went to East Delhi, a couple of localities uh, and hospitals in the neighborhood of uh, BJP MP Gautam Kampir. Um and then, uh, like, uh, the next, like, they, they did a story on that. Uh, and then uh, there were news reports of oxygen shortages at various hospitals across Delhi. And uh, there was one such hospital in Rohini where, you know, the uh, nodal officer told me that we have just 15 to 20 minutes of uh, backup and uh, please help us save lives. Uh, and that was not the only hospital in Rohini uh, struggling with oxygen shortage. Uh, there were a couple of other hospitals uh, in that area where uh, the hospital management had told the attendants to uh, figure out uh, oxygen uh, on their own. And they were trying to uh, you know, get those oxygen cylinders from different industrial uh, areas in Delhi. Uh, and then, of course, uh, two days ago, I visited uh, crematoriums in West Delhi, the Punjabi Bagh and uh, Subhash Nagar crematorium, where uh, again, the site is uh, very disturbing because every few seconds you could see ambulances uh, stopping there. Uh, There are COVID deaths uh, and there are also non-COVID deaths due to uh, lack of beds and uh, medical attention on time. And uh, the crematoriums are just uh, out of, uh, they have reached their maximum capacity. Uh, so there is a long queue and waiting uh, time is between seven to eight hours. Uh, and uh, it's very disturbing uh, to 
see these uh, sort of, you know, queue of bodies lined up from the entrance gate up to the door of the particular crematorium. And it's equally heart-wrenching uh, when you talk to these people who have firstly, you know, suffered a loss in terms of losing someone to a deadly uh, pandemic. And now when they want to perform the last rites, that too is a struggle for them as they are, you know, made to go from one crematorium to another due to shortage of space. So, um, Akansha, when and when I saw your report, you know, I had one question: is that um, when we see these images of crematoriums and the queues of dead bodies, uh, you know, when you see it on your TV or your laptop, uh, it seems it appears as if you know this whole uh, queue and the waiting occurs because there are so many people dying and therefore of course you know there you have to wait to get people cremated sometimes for seven hours for example in your story but i think your story brought out one thing is that there's also you know a system in place of how these bodies are being cremated which is also leading to some sort of um, you know waiting for people who are going heading to these crematoriums so can you explain us what the, beyond the reason beyond the number of deaths what are the other reasons for this queues Um, So basically, uh, you know, like every uh, crematorium has uh, two kind of furnaces. One is the uh, CNG uh, based uh, furnace and the other is where wooden uh, fire is used to to burn bodies and perform their uh, last rites. And every uh, crematorium has a certain fixed number of platforms on which you know a particular body is kept and it takes at least uh, two hours for the uh, body to be burned uh, completely. So like at uh, Subhash Nagar crematorium, the in-charge uh, Dr. Uh, Badri, uh, he told us that, I mean, CNG crematorium, the two platforms were installed uh, only to cater to these uh, large number of bodies that were coming in after the onset of pandemic but even that is not sufficient and he told me that you know it takes at least two to three hours and then we have to switch off the burner for it to be allowed to it it needs to come down to a normal temperature before it can be used uh, to burn uh, another body Uh, which is why uh, you see this uh, long queue of bodies outside uh, crematoriums and I mean, to be fair to the management of the crematorium, probably they are also trying their best because the workers there, they don't even have a proper PPE kit uh, and the working hours are just crazy. So for like 10 to 14 hours, you cannot also expect them to wear a PPE kit. Most of them are working by with just a mask and maybe gloves are there. They don't even have that. Uh, but still, uh, it's it's just the sheer number of deaths that are being reported across Delhi, which is why you see these overwhelming numbers outside uh, crematoriums. And why people are getting hassled is that, you know, they are not in a position to wait that long because uh, most of these family members, uh, at least, uh, you know, few of them whom I spoke with, uh, even as they are there to cremate one person, there are two others who've tested COVID positive at home. So they also just want to, you know, perform the last rites and then go back and be at the side of those like other family members 
who are still uh, sort of recuperating uh, and you know uh, they are just getting frustrated because uh, like there is one person uh, ranjit singh uh, whom i met outside punjabi bag crematorium and uh, since morning he first went to subhashnagar crematorium since there was a long queue he came here at punjabi bag crematorium and here again you know he was made to wait for 4 to 5 hours so i mean mourning for, for someone is not a very easy emotion to process and if you tend to prolong it uh, even if it means standing in a queue i think it's very painful uh, for that person to endure it uh, because you know you want to get over with it and you want to figure out other things uh, you know for example figuring out whether someone else is also suffering from covid or you want to figure out about like there is there was one person who uh, apparently alleged that her mother had received both the shots of vaccine and still she was uh, she tested positive for covid uh, and and now it was her brother and uh, father who were uh, also uh, suffering from covid so yes there might be a system in place because as news reports suggest that uh, near sarai kale khan they are trying to figure out an alternate spot uh, or they are trying to you know uh, give more uh, space uh, so that everyone can be accommodated uh but still it's a very uh disturbing visual in terms of you know the like for those family members they are not just figures uh it's someone's father it's uh, someone's brother and uh so it's it's like you know you just tend to think if these deaths could have been uh, prevented because like in punjabi bag crematorium of course uh, the security guards did not uh, let me go inside uh but a day before that uh there was this news uh, story about uh, 20 deaths being reported at jaipur golden hospital and uh, the only crematorium which was in the vicinity of that hospital was uh, this punjabi bag crematorium and so a day before my shoot i had gone there and it's not just a pyre it's like some kind of holika which is on fire there the it's 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 slightly disturbing uh because uh, as i said that um, probably if you know the if the government had an entire one year to prepare for this they did not really have a contingency plan and anger is also palpable uh, ayush you know i mean if you hear the quotes even like you know they they are blaming uh, the politicians for going ahead with rallies they are blaming uh, the political leadership for allowing uh, a kumbh uh, to take place and they are saying that you know you really don't care for us netaon ne is desh ka beda ghar kar diya i think that is what ranjit singh uh, says in the video yeah and and you know that that the anger of the families is i think what uh, the video also brings out well but when you were there and when you were reporting at these crematoriums did you see any you know sort of an organization or any political party their youth wing trying to you know help family trying to provide some sort of relief was that happening or was it completely absent uh no i don't think i came across any sort of uh, local uh, political leadership trying to help these families in any way also i think any sort of youth wing will not really uh, step into this mess because the entire system has collapsed 
so like at subhash nagar crematorium uh, i met this uh, gentleman called uh, navneet sharma who had lost his uh, uh 70 year old aunt and he was telling me that you know i'm calling the he was calling the local sho to help him arrange the ambulance and when that didn't work out then he he asked the sho that as per protocols then can i just arrange a vehicle private vehicle on my own so he actually uh, brought the body of his aunt on in a private vehicle so you see the even the local administration is not able to help these uh, people when they are actually uh, calling on helpline numbers so i think even the local political uh, uh, you know netas will not uh, step into this because even there uh, they, they are also a part of the system and when the system itself is choked uh, they cannot really help it uh, work in any way i mean like for example there was there were so many people uh, whom i met like i met this person outside jain hospital because he was standing in a queue outside gautam gambhir's uh, uh, office as well so when i saw him again at jain hospital uh, which is on the same road at gautam gambhir's uh, office so i asked him ki you know wh- why what were you doing outside uh, gambhir's office and uh, he told me that uh, my father uh, is a non covid patient and suddenly like he there was some age related ailment and he has uh, su- uh, suffered a paralysis attack and now the hospital is saying that we don't have a ventilator so you, you please figure out uh, you know an uh, oxygen or an icu bed elsewhere we won't be able to uh, treat your father uh, beyond like one day or two days and which is why i had gone to gautam gambhir's office and but he did not get any response from there so um i i told him okay like are you comfortable in sharing your contact details his name is gorav jain uh, i think i i can put it out on twitter and let's see if someone responds to that sos message um and then he agreed to share his details i put out an sos message and there was no response and you know i think probably just three or four days later he just sent me a message ma'am uh, kal papa ki death ho gayi um so the situation is so desperate and it's just so out of control and uh, the mismanagement of both the state government and the central government is so much uh, out there that no one can actually help a common man he's just trying to figure it out on his own ki matlab now that you know pehle to mujhe apna apne ko bachana hai and then if you know someone has been you know and if a casualty happens and he has to figure out the ambulance he has to figure out the the uh, the last rights part everything he is trying to juggle through the you know uh, uh, what should i say uh, through a, through a, through the, this system this disgusting system which always fails us he has to figure it out on his own which is what everyone is doing uh, right now yeah i mean that's it's actually heart wrenching and i think all of us have faced situations in the you know recent weeks where we've tried to amplify messages or put out sos messages and people you know that nothing comes out of it and uh, sometimes you have situations where people just pass away uh, but akansha since you said you know this disgusting system uh, since you called it that i wanted to ask you there's a lockdown uh, that is in place in delhi till i think the first week of may and since you've been traveling in the west east north of the city how, how much of that lockdown do you see as being effective are people actually you know uh, be staying 
home? Is everything closed? Is there COVID protocol in place? So this was another thing which I uh, sort of noticed that despite a lockdown being in place, there were there you can just see a lot of vehicles on the road. and you can also see uh, like some shops also being uh, o- open um especially like when you move from uh, new ashok nagar towards uh, delhi and also i think that kind of vigilance which one could see uh, when the lockdown was enforced last year i somehow feel that that vigilance that strictness is perhaps missing uh, on part of the police so i mean if there is a medical emergency definitely uh you know you people will rush with their uh family member and so ambulances on the road is justifiable but a lot of these uh, vehicles i'm not sure for what purpose are they there on the road is it because they want they're on their way to see someone in a hospital uh like of course you could also spot people carrying oxygen cylinder on a motorcycle and all but in general uh it doesn't seem that the city has come to a standstill there is a lot of activity uh you know in different parts of the city and therefore i also feel that the lockdown is not that effective uh this time which is also disturbing because uh i mean it, it's this wave is expected to peak around 15th of may so i mean the local uh, authorities should be vigilant enough but i think uh, मुंबई is it as you know uh, careless and reckless as delhi or uh, are things actually you know falling into place um i think things are getting slightly better i have uh, barely stepped out over the past 3 weeks since i've been unwell but um from what i have seen the little that i've gone out of from what i've heard um i think it is a strict lockdown but um i think again the people who are suffering i mean uh are the ones who are out of jobs and who are not used i mean it's once again they are the ones who are um you know the victims of this i mean in bombay they've been very particular not to call it a lockdown you know every few days they are extending the lockdown like restrictions um but it's i don't know how uh, any city is going to recover from something like this right right and you know you you come into your story you read a story uh, on this you know prevalent criticism and it's prevalent on you know mostly on social media i haven't seen news enough to know whether it's on prime time but of people you know some of them usual suspects saying that showing pictures and videos of uh, cremations or of burials actually just cremations not burials uh, that there's because these cremations are sacred and they are private uh, it's somehow disrespectful to you know the hindus to show them and some even say it's hindu phobic and most of the you know they i've seen barkhadat was targeted uh, pretty severely on twitter and the foreign press like you know the new york times or time magazine actually came out with a cover today of a cremation ground and you spoke to several photojournalists uh, and these uh, you know from from i think international media and media organizations here uh, so just tell me uh, w- what is the their some sort of a counter to this 
you know almost manufactured criticism of uh, hindu phobia by doing journalism so i think even this criticism there are two aspects to it i think one part of it is um it's it's a narrative being built by either uh, strong supporters of this government um or people who think that this is a sort of a, you know assassination of uh, the indian culture and it's it's very targeted to hindu specifically um which is it, i think it's just shifting blame from what is happening to uh, shifting the conversation to how it is being covered uh, but i think there is a different uh, kind of criticism that is coming from people who i would like to think have best intentions it's uh, people who think that you know uh, the way that brown bodies are covered it's it's phenomenally different uh, the way that the west covers um, you know indians and africans and other third world countries and they cover their own countries so i think uh, it is a valid conversation to have uh, the second part of it but i think it's very important to understand the context which is what a lot of journalists told me i mean um, even for them uh, like in india it, it's not just uh, the covid crisis we're covering we're also covering the collapse of the system right and uh, the way that the government is working in um, sort of fudging the data like you said this the actual scale of deaths the actual numbers we don't know this and um, the fact that this is getting more attention is because of stories by reporters because of photos by photojournalists who are going on the ground and seeing the really big gap between uh, the official records versus what is happening and i think it's not just the international media i think it's also regional press it's also national media and uh, the fact that this conversation is happening is because uh, these stories are sort of uh, jolting people into paying attention into the mess that india is in right now right right and you know what you described that these the, the two major criticisms and you know some of them are pretty valid as you said about how the west covers you know uh, the some sort of there's a eurocentric view of covering such tragedies yeah. which appears to be different from how you cover india or africa but then you also have the other side as you said the supporters of the government almost trying to use the same vocabulary and making the same point which you know some creates some sort of confusion in your in your piece you write you know that's the journalists you spoke with uh, you told you that you know what they're doing they're trying to put a human face to the cold numbers of death and also also ensure the scale and gravity of the horror and that it is it, it's not forgotten in the coming days so just tell us about that you know i i actually i'm not a photojournalist but i instinctively instinctively felt that you know this is what it is this is telling the story of people who you know are just will be lost in numbers and i'm sure in a week or two we'll be talking about elections and in a month or two probably these things will just go away so along those lines of telling these stories what did these photojournalists tell you of why it's important to cover this the way it's been covered um so one of the photojournalists i spoke to was actually surprised when i asked him uh, why he thinks it's important to cover stories from such uh, locations because he said this is his job right he's supposed to uh, you know record history as it happens and um if journalists don't do this how how is it going to really go about i mean if i think uh, it would be very different if this wasn't happening and um we weren't sort of uh, bringing the truth to people because uh, like i said there is there is i mean as several reports by uh, local national and international press have sort of brought about over the past few weeks and like even akanksha was telling us there is a, a 
major gap between the uh, recorded deaths and um, also like a journalist was telling me that people want to talk to them you know it's i think it would be very different if this was being sensationalized and you know it was this case of you know someone shoving mics down someone's face who didn't want to talk but i think it's different here because people are desperate people are angry people want to convey uh, what has happened i mean it's it's not just figure each person has a different story but um yeah so i think a lot of the valid criticism also needs to kind of understand the context you know i get that people are trying to uh, have i think it is important to discuss the way media covers certain things but it's it's very easy to sort of put a tweet after seeing something and not understanding the context of india specifically you know and i think most of these journalists it's this is not the only thing they're covering this is not the only way they are conveying the tragedy right it's not just reports from these places it's it's from everywhere so it's not really a fetishization of hindu culture like people are claiming yeah i mean I, you in your piece you put out you know several uh, old reports from the foreign media which also you know showed these mass burials when you know the there was a uh, covid huge numbers of people dying in italy or in the us or elsewhere so it's obviously not the first time this is being this is happening okay. uh, so i think that also puts some sort you know it debunks a certain way the criticisms occurs but i was also you know particularly uh, relate to one thing that towards the end someone uh, told you that there's a you know unofficial ban um I, i can't recall who told you this but uh, who who's the journalist who told you that there's an unofficial ban on entering hospitals uh it's a journalist from a um, news organization in delhi okay in, in delhi anonymous so you yeah. know I, i i think that's very true because in uh, noida day for yesterday i was uh, i just go to several hospitals here sometimes and there's a covid uh, hospital in noida i think Kangsha might have been there to report on her Noida story, but I tried to enter that place and they didn't let me enter. And they said you should, uh, you know, uh, have permission from someone inside. And I said I can only get permission if I go inside. And they said, but yeah, we won't let you inside without permission. It was a catch twenty two of sorts. And uh, so when you have some these bans on. journalists entry into hospitals uh, as one of them told you that the only way to cover this crisis then becomes going to crematoriums and going to uh, you know the the graveyards and trying to get the numbers trying to see how the situation is right uh, yeah definitely like uh, i think also this is where the story is so it wouldn't really make sense to um, look elsewhere and especially when uh, the traditional ways to approach a story are being blocked by uh, you know authorities and the government you have to find a way around it and i think a lot of journalists are uh, not just resorting but choosing to report stories this way because that is also very convincing in uh, you know for a, a normal citizen to sort of read or watch a picture like that it it really does shake you up and it it also makes you question why this is happening right because it's it's not just um, the virus that is infecting people it is also the way that it is being handled i mean uh, a journalist was telling me about how uh, he covered the same sort of stories the same pictures he had last year also but there was no sort of hangama on social media about why it is happening right now i think it's also sort of trying to shift the conversation into something else i mean since two days a lot of people on social media are just talking about this when you know the death toll has still been increasing and there is so much happening so i think it's sort of convenient to take away from the reality of things by hijacking the conversation 
Right. Those are wise words. And I think all those who are criticizing the press will be wiser if they, you know, listen to that and of uh, the stories and the views of these photojournalists through your piece and try to account that perspective uh, in the way they think about it. But I doubt it will help. So uh, coming back to Akanksha, Akanksha, you did this uh, story on Gambhir. Uh, allegedly, I mean, that was the you know criticism that he's holding this drug called Fabiflu. So first of all, can you tell us what is Fabiflu? Why is it so you know uh, desired in these times? And if an MP is uh, distributing that from his office, I mean, on the face of it, it seems that's like a good thing. What can be wrong with that? He's after all making it available to people who need it. So can you just tell us what is this drug and what's wrong with our uh, dear commentator in IPL holding it in his office? So um, flu or Piravir, which is like the uh, medical name for it, is uh, among uh, the list of like medicines which, uh, is, which are prescribed uh, for people who are recently like diagnosed with COVID. And it is helpful uh, in treatment of mild to moderate COVID symptoms as well. And uh, I think uh, it was among one of the first uh, repurposed drug which was approved by the ICMR last year. Um, and apart from Glenmark, now I think there are just two, three more companies uh, which have started manufacturing it. Uh, so it is in great demand because uh, I like I read it in a in a report by Economic Times that it is also efficient uh, at least to up to eighty eight percent, and therefore it is prescribed and therefore it is in demand. Um, but what has happened is that after uh, you know the second wave of pandemic uh, and like with more people asking for it the medicine was uh, like there was a shortage of medicine across delhi and uh, like there were these d- all kind of sos messages on social media with people um, asking if they can find it at you know so and so pharmacy uh, and since in midst of all this outcry, uh, Gautam Gambhir suddenly tweeted that, you know, whoever needs it, uh, I'm willing to help them out and you can pick it up from my office. Uh, he was criticized and uh, then he again responded that it's just a few strips of medicine. And like, why do you have a problem with that? So uh, when I went to his office, uh, which is in Jagriti and Clive in East Delhi, the timings are from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. And firstly, it's a very small crowd which was there outside his office, probably just 15 to 20 people. Um, And this is where the problem uh, lies, that firstly, like a medicine which is so critical in treating the initial symptoms of COVID uh, should be available at pharmacies and hospitals where probably far larger number of people would be coming to uh, get it rather than outside an MP's office. Um, And, you know, what the system that he has, uh, his staff has put in place is that you have to submit a copy of the prescription along with a copy of your Aadhaar card. And then they take an hour to enter those details into some sort of database which they are preparing and then they give out these uh you know one strip of fabi flu which has around uh, 10 to 12 tablets um so like 
this entire system is problematic in many ways. Firstly, on what basis are you actually asking people to submit a copy of Aadhaar card? Because uh, there are some details in that and like you don't have the authority to, uh, you know, uh, you know, have this database of contact number and Aadhaar and everything else. Like even in uh, the prescription is fairly detailed in terms of uh, who the patient is, age and all. So it's, it's in a way breach of privacy. Uh, secondly, you know, whoever is coming there will get one strip of Fabiflu. I met uh, this one person, uh, at least two people, they told me that, you know, one strip is not sufficient for us as per prescription by the doctor. We need more of those strips, but still they will give just one strip per, per person. So like I met this, uh, you know, uh, man, uh, Amanpreet Singh, who's 27-year-old daughter and his son-in-law, both had tested uh, positive for COVID recently. And still, he just got one strip of medicine. So when I asked him that, you know, how are you going to uh, manage it? And he said, well, we'll just distribute it uh, evenly between the two of them. But for any medicine to have its effect, it needs to be taken and consumed in the prescribed dosage. Uh, as mentioned in the prescription by the doctor. So this entire system of being a messiah, if that is the idea, I don't think even that is working out because you're just, dis it's, it's a cosmetic measure. It's all for photo ops. You have uh, procured some amount of medicine and now you have these, uh, your staffers taking a call, ki, you know, I will give only one strip to this person. I, and like one lady, she said that I'm from Shahadra and therefore, you know, they are not giving me the medicine. Although Shahadra also comes under the East Delhi constituency. So I'm not sure why, uh, you know, she was angry. My sense is that probably she got one strip of medicine a day before uh, when I had gone there. And as per the prescription, she needed more medicine and therefore she was being turned away the next day. And this is not how medicines uh, should be distributed. If I need 20 tablets of Fabiflu, I should be able to get it from any pharmacy. I should be able to get it from any uh, medical shop inside or outside hospital premises. On the, uh, like on the same road in Jagriti Enclave as is Gautam Gambhir's office, there, were, there are two hospitals, Jain Hospital and uh, Mukund Hospital. And both at both the places for at least five days, they didn't have uh, any stock of Fabiflu. And like Gen Hospital had to tell their patients to get it from outside. In the uh, different colonies in East Delhi, be it uh, Khichuripur, be it uh, Krishnanagar, uh, pharmacy after pharmacy, medical shop after medical shop were telling me that you know, distributors are saying we don't have stock of Fabiflu. How is this MP and his, you know, staffer uh, has been able to get hold of this stock and they have, dis they had distributed at least uh, 800 of those strips in the two, three days till when I had gone there. Um, it's also illegal because, uh, you know, there is this one activist, Leher Sethi, who has filed an online complaint uh, and of course, the complaint has not been converted into an FIR yet, but 
as per her understanding uh, it does uh, amount to uh, hoarding and there can be several legal repercussions uh, and i think just uh, day before yesterday uh, while hearing a petition by a lawyer rakesh malotra even the delhi high court has asked uh, does gautam gambhir have a license because there is a way uh, you know uh, in how you can get hold of medicines and distribute them it's not like you can get laddus and you know start distributing them to your constituents because it pleases you and if you're so much concerned about uh, you know people uh, why not ensure that fabi flu is available at every pharmacy and uh, at least government hospital in your own constituency there is this uh, government hospital uh, uh, in uh, east delhi only lal bahadur shastri hospital where i met a family who who was saying that you know they didn't even uh, like this woman had lost her 35 year old brother and uh, you know uh, her family's allegation was that the doctor didn't even have time to even attend to uh, the patient and the covid test was done after he died so i mean when the uh, health uh, infrastructure is in shambles as a member of parliament why wouldn't you do something to help these poor hapless people instead of trying to make it to headlines by saying oh you know what you can come and pick it up from office which also sounds very elitist to me you know right right and you know you you read the delhi high court Uh, on 27th April, just two days ago, uh, a division bench of justices Vipin Sanghi and Rekha Pali asked, "Are these not prescription drugs?" I'm quoting them. "Are these not prescription drugs? How is someone able to procure large quantities? Is he, meaning Gautam Gambhir, holding a license to deal in these drugs? Does this not require a license?" And uh, you know, I think your, I think the best argument that you just uh, spoke about is that he should, as an MP, rather focus on making these drugs available in shops or pharmacies or in hospitals. Because one way I look at it is that if he does that, that will also somehow dilute the number of people and how they are gathering at a certain place. Because if he just makes it available at his office, these people will be coming to it to his office, and you know, there's just a larger risk of people transmitting. in covid if they have it rather mm-hmm. if if you give it at certain number of pharmacies or number of hospitals the, the the people trying to get it will be distributed over a different number of areas so it's a, it's it's a hairbrained effort at you know personal politics and that's some sort it's also betrays you know in a way a certain quality of politics that his party also tries to practice but uh, thank you akanksha for that report uh, thank you both of you for the work you've done not just this week but since this uh, second wave stuck and uh, dear listeners bringing you reports like these requires not just time but hard work and resources so to help us continue our work to help us make sure that akanksha wears those pp kits and goes to the ground more often to tell you these stories please do consider subscribing to us because as many of you are aware news laundry is a 100% ad free news platform this is because we believe that in order to bring you ground realities like this we cannot depend on advertisers or sponsors who might have vested interests we solely count on folks like you who understand why it is important to keep news away from the clutches of advertisers so please support us in our endeavor to bring you free and fair news go to our website newslaundry.com click on the red subscribe button on the top right hand corner pay to keep news free 
And with that, uh, guys, please, can you tell us what are your recommendations for this week? What would you like our listeners to watch or read or listen to? Akanksha? I would uh, recommend uh, both uh, the recent ground reports uh, from North Delhi as well as West Delhi. And also, uh, I think uh, one should watch uh, Caravan's ground report from the crematorium in Seema Puri. Uh, I'm a big fan of Shahid Tantre now, and he has done some amazing work uh, in this video. So yeah, th- that would be uh, my recommendation. Anishka, what's yours? Um, I think the first one would be this piece in the Hindustan Times called Understanding Mumbai's Downward COVID-19 Trend. It's by uh, Jyoti Shalar, who's been a health journalist in the city for a while. Um, I think it's sort of interesting because I, if you've noticed, the cases in Bombay have been reducing. Um, but there are a lot of uh, sort of questions to be asked about why this is happening. Uh, and one of them is about uh, tests being reduced, you know, and not just on weekends. Overall, there's been a downward decline. And this this very short piece, it sort of answers a lot of questions. And, it, uh, you know, she's spoken to a lot of uh, hospitals who have spoken about how there is, there's not been a decline in the number of uh, deaths or there's not been a decline in the number of hospitalizations either, uh, which also has to do with the fact that a lot of people who are dying in hospitals, they've been admitted for over two weeks. So it's a very short, easy to understand piece because I think in Bombay a lot of people I know are sort of getting uh, excited that cases are coming down and I think it's going to result in you know just taking things more lightly and sort of getting out again which is what kind of I think is a factor of what got us here in the first place so I think it's a good piece it's in the Hindustan Times Um, and the second recommendation is this piece in Vox called uh, the erosion of personal ownership so it sort of questions uh, how much we even own the things we think we own you know um usually when we own something it sort of becomes us and we imprint on it in a way but uh there's sort of the this relationship between us and the things we own has sort of been disrupted by uh the things in question because now with a lot of things being uh, intangible and online uh it's it's very interesting to see how this has developed over the past few years it's, it's a great piece it's by dan green and we can sort of add the link Okay, thank you guys for your recommendations. Uh, my recommendation uh, is this article in The Telegraph called Breaking the Thermometer by Ruchir Joshi on why uh, we should seek accountability from the governing party, the prime minister and the home minister. It's written very well and you know it's, it's, it's an angry piece, but it's not uh, angry in a very in a vulgar or an open way, but angry in the way it you know, analyzes why uh, we need to ask certain questions during this pandemic, but also once it ends of, uh, of, of, of those who govern us. And second uh, would be if you can go to Twitter and uh, head over to this handle called India and Australia, which is the h- handle of the High Commission, and read the letter written by the Indian High Commission to the editor of this news Australian paper called The Australian. And they had done a piece on how uh, India bungled up its pandemic response and the Indian High Commission wrote to them, and it's that that letter is a perfect example of how you should not be speaking to the media, or you should be putting out your government's position on a deadly pandemic on the world stage. It's a classic in how to completely obfuscate and distort an issue by claiming that your pandemic response, as thousands of your citizens die, has been of universal acclaim. Those are the words used by the High Commission: universal acclaim. So I think that will be instructive. And those are my recommendations. And remember, uh, if you listen to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, we also 
have a website, newslaundry.com. You can head over to the website and check out the other cool stuff that we do, like ground reports, video reports. Uh, we are doing a lot of interviews these days, so you can also watch that on newslaundry.com. You can also write to us at contact at newslaundry.com with RWO in the subject line and leave your comments on Twitter. If you like this podcast, please share it with family and friends. Ke saath bhi share kar sakte hain. Aur news laundry ko subscribe करिए क्योंकि हम किसी भी तरीके के एड्स पर निर्भर नहीं करते हैं हम आप पर निर्भर करते हैं और ये पॉडकास्ट आप हमारे वेबसाइट पर भी सुन सकते हैं जहां पर एक नया पॉडकास्ट प्लेयर है जिसमें तमाम तरह के फीचर्स हैं तो आप www.newslaundry.com पर जाकर भी इस पॉडकास्ट प्लेयर को देख सकते हैं और हमारे काम को सपोर्ट करने के लिए आप सब्सक्रिप्शन में जाकर हमारी हेल्प कर सकते हैं थैंक यू सो मच लिसनर्स फॉर ट्यूनिंग इन एंड विद दैट दिस पॉडकास्ट इज अजर्न्ड All the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 